since 2008, Marvel Studios has brought us over 10 years of cinematic blockbusters, and nothing will ever be the same. Can we, as mere mortals, prevail? Join us to find out. Peter Melnick, graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And Eddie Wilson, upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. True believers, the next chapter begins with another episode of The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode and introducing our very marvelous guests, we want to tell all of you good people at home how you can check us out on them, their social medias. How? First off, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Marvelists. Give us a follow or a like, whatever, all that good stuff on both, there. Both, all the above. You can also follow my new page on there, facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster, one whole word. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Marvelists. Follow myself at Peter Melnick. Yourself are not on Twitter. That was grammatically incorrect, but here we yeah, are. Yeah, here we are. Also, you can find us on Instagram at. The Marvelists. It's it's very uh, cut and dry with this, I think. It's very, like, on the tin. Bordering on monotonous, but... It, it kind of is. But mm. you can also drop us a line in our email bag, themarvelists at gmail.com. And when you do, questions, comments, strongly worded letters, you name it, we're going to read them. We're going to enjoy them. We're going to, like, look at them confused. Yeah. You're not wearing your glasses, so you might be like, what am I even reading? I don't I don't. I only need them for distance. It's okay. <laughs> well, what if the phone's far away? The phone? We use a phone? Okay. You're reading your email on your phone. What oh, that's right. <laughs> that phone. It's, that's an abacus, Eddie. That's not a phone at all. Oh, my. <laughs> but you can also check us out on a wide variety of listening platforms for your little ear holes. Such as? iTunes, where you can rate, review, and subscribe. And people, we'd love for you to rate and five-star this show. We would really appreciate it. Enjoy, you know, join the annals of the one show where we were told that we do incessant dad jokes and puns so to the tune of almost around 12,000 likes exactly well yeah we're almost at 12,000 on that Facebook machine so but before also all that go on Stitcher Radio TuneIn Radio what else is there Spotify Spotify available for all iOS and Android devices and speaking of Stitcher by the way people go on Stitcher dot com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout marvelous and you'll be able to get a free one month of stitcher radio and listen to a crap ton of content including the nerdist archives the smodcast archives the earwolf podcast archives etc etc but you can also check out the newly released well newly released as a comic book wolverine the long night which is available first serialized as a 10 episode program Oof. so Go on Stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelous. And you get a free one month of Stitcher Premium. And it's only $4.99 a month afterwards. We recommend it because it helps check it helps support the show. Yep. So yeah. Eddie, I believe we're joined with someone whose name starts with a D and someone that name starts with a Z. Our letters of the day are D and Z. Are we back to Sesame Street? No. Well, the the number is 42 for today. Is it? Okay. That's well, the answer to life, the universe, and everything. So sorry. Yes. From the, and we'll find out some history, of course, as far, their, as, far as their uh, beginnings and what they're up to. Uh, Dave in Chicago and Zach in Connecticut. Guys, welcome and thanks. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you. 
Now, your podcast is called My Marvelous Year. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, that's right. I'll kick it off, Zach, and then toss it over to you. So I'm Dave. I'm founder and editor-in-chief of a site called Comic Book Herald. Hey, guys. And uh, Zach and I came together to do this podcast called Marvelous Year. And basically what it is is we're going through every single year of Marvel Universe history, and we're reading it year by publication year, uh, 10 key stories at a time. And, uh, and then we're talking about them. So it's like a reading club and a podcast at the same time, and it's lots of fun. And the the hook here basically is uh, I have read all these before. And exactly. I have read the little to moderate amounts of Marvel comics. So I'm, I'm kind of the new, new yeah, every week. Yep. So we yeah, I, I came to I came to Dave as a. Uh, I came to Dave as a, as a fan of his site, Comic Book, Fair, Comic Book Herald, having read some of his My Marvelous Year list and thought, like, this is too good of an idea to, to not make a podcast and, and kind of do this as a, a reading club again. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far. We're, we're getting a lot of community community involvement, and that, that's really what really drives this. So you started with, I'm going to say, what, 1961? Yeah, so Fantastic Four number one. Uh, uh, we did actually, as kind of like a test run, we did the Golden Age. So we did kind of do that fun, like uh, early Namor, original Human Torch stuff from the 40s. Which but is yeah, we, we started off really with the Silver Age. Yes, that is our episode zero. And I, right, so I should mention, you know, we're recording here early Jan. We just dropped our first app. So if you're listening, it's a perfect time to come in and read along. Um, but yeah, we started with you know sixty one into nineteen sixty two as Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and the gang come together and build the Marvel Universe. And it's pretty cool to see like it's cool to see them in the early days how these characters are developed, their true origins, um, and then like how these stories come together as they're actually figuring out what the Marvel Universe might look like. Um, you know, because it's it's not uh, a concept that existed obviously at that point. So really, you've logged let's say a couple of episodes so far, and you're doing it on a, what is it a weekly basis? Yeah, we're we're doing a, a weekly episodes. We're gonna occasionally split up some of the bigger years into multiple weekly episodes. But then the, to cap each episode or to cap each Marvel publication year off, we're gonna do a like a listener feedback discussion episode to have everyone who writes in their thoughts and feedback about these years of Marvel combat, uh, these years of Marvel comic. Yeah, I think one thing I've seen a lot of running running my site is people they don't know where to start right it's hard to dive in to marvel comics you know a lot of people come in through the mcu you know i've listened to you guys do a good job talking about the movies and then a lot of people are like how do i get more of this how do i get the actual comic scene and one one idea that is almost always a bad idea but it is to start from the beginning which is exactly what we're doing and read everything (laughs) i want to read every marvel comic from the beginning which is a real oof (laughs) <laughs> we we curate. I would say we curate yeah, carefully. Yeah, that's a good one. And those who want to read more, certainly you always can. But it, at the end of the day, you need every comic. Um, so we, we try to pick out the good ones and the stuff that's going to be really influential as you try to like enjoy the experience. Uh, that's how I came to Dave and my marvelous year. His his um, his comic book or how I came to Comic Book Herald, Dave's website is because you know, it's tough to jump into modern continuity, and I kept bouncing off of it 
trying to read comics, feeling lost, and eventually found this site and this list that kind of guides you through from the from the very beginning in a, a really digestible way. I actually recently had gotten myself a new tablet, and one of the things I did was, you know, got myself Marvel Unlimited. And through this, I ended up discovering yeah. your site. And, yeah, I, I partook in my Marvelous Year. And I got to tell you, one of the things that, you know, with the reading order that you guys are doing, you also begin to appreciate characters you might not have appreciated before and also the types of stories. Now, I was listening to a little bit today of episode one, and you guys had briefly talked about amazing adult fantasy. And I got to tell you, that's like, I love the anthology stories. For some reason, they're just like, as a fan of the Twilight Zone, yeah, like the comparison you guys made, they, they're fun stories, and they're just so out there. Like, the one that really stuck out for me was the woman who was on trial for being a witch and then the guy reveals, <laughs> oh no, it was me all along, flies off on a broom. I, I love stuff like that, the little what to do <laughs> moments. Yeah. Just, they go down so easy. And it's kind of cool, like, historical context for, if, if you have, like, any curiosity at all, like, yeah, those anthology series, like, that's that's a lot of what comics was at that point, you know, pre-superhero. Like, today, it's big to superhero, superhero, right? It's so much of that. And then, of course, all the other stuff that's going on. But, like, it, it's cool to see, you know, somebody like Stan Lee, who's an icon and, you know, RIP. But, like, it's cool to see him writing a short story with artist Steve Ditko with no superheroes. And, they're, yeah, they're writing five pages of a twist comic, The Twilight Zone. Like, it's, it's fun reading. Yeah, so we throw a little bit of that in. Um, and then, just to give you that, like, you know, hey, here's what's going on this year. Um, in addition to everyone in the Marvel universe being being furiousism in Russia, <laughs> which is of course yep, yeah, early yeah. '60s, you know, Them attitudes prevailing there. Yeah, yeah. I think it really is, and you know, a, a pretty daunting and uh, big task to to tackle this. But it sounds like you got a good idea as far as breaking it down. And I know, yes, you can't really cover all the titles that came out. Um, you know, whether it's less popular or whatever the case. But do you think as you go along, maybe, or if you haven't started it, uh, you'd consider, well, you know, we covered these, but don't forget there were also these titles that came out without mentioning anything else about the other sub little titles, but just so people know, hey, this was out also at this time. We did like kind of a reading club the first time. And it's, I, I started, it's easy and like easy in quotes in 1962 to say, here are the 10 issues to read. By the time you get to like 2006, it's like, well, the 10 events <laughs> that are 30 some tie ins deep, right? So it's like, it gets insane. Um, so yeah, I definitely, out, you know, here's, here's the other stuff that was happening. Here's other stuff that is important, but maybe not in my top 10. Um, it's kind of like I say, like, I've read all of them, so you don't have to. But if you want to, and a lot of people do, you know, it, it's certainly we try to list out as many of those as we can. So Zach and I are, I, I would say we're in the good period of recording right now, which is the 60s. And I think once we get to like, what did you say it was, Zach? Like mid 80s, I want to say. that's where Mid 80s, really... we start hitting like 100, 120 comics per year. And then it, it kind of snowballs up from there. And we're we're... we're we're gonna to have to figure out how to how to chop that up. That's, right now, we're we're looking at fifteen to twenty issues per publication year. Now, that's when we tell our families, "Listen, it's been real. <laughs> <laughs> we're out. <laughs> I'm gonna go do some reading in the woods for a while." Yeah. Will you guys be incorporating Alf? You have to include, you know, the guy from Melmac. You know, if it's Is that not, in the list, Dave? It, no, it's not in the list. 
add it to Marvel Unlimited, it's fair game. So uh, we are, oh, Dave, we are Dave at does the whims. include a lot of these like oddball titles. I, I, we're about to come up on where you put in that episode or that episode, that issue of Daredevil with Stiltman, which is I think like yes. one of your most controversial <laughs> choices. <laughs> a lot of, there's a lot of good Stiltman forked into this. Uh, Absolutely. It, besides that, it's generally all like banner villains, you know, the really iconic ones. It's Doctor Doom and it's Green God and the purple man you know, all the big hitters and then just dave just likes to sneak in once in a while one of those you know, oh yeah it's still man well the thing is with a lot of like the obscure level villains i was reading like i had to stop for a little bit for the reading order i think i stopped in 1965 i want to say 64 65 it was around the time of uh like the second appearance of the mandarin i had to stop because like and then you know what i liked about what I was experiencing is you guys didn't include things like, Oh, here's the first appearance of the enforcers because I'm sorry. They're just a bunch of zilch villains and I don't care about <laughs> fancy Dan. I don't care. Yeah. So first off in that reading order, thank you for skipping the stuff. I don't like yeah, my, my opinion is much the same. The enforcers are, he, he's got a rope and yeah. he's got muscles. <laughs> And they were in Daredevil and Spider-Man. I think, you know, that kind of covers their their range. But I think you're right. Yeah, mid, you know, when you hit the 80s like you said, there's there's a lot of material and I think that was my the heaviest that I was collecting in the 80s. I remember um things crossing over and whatnot. But if you're going to try and break it down, I mean, hey, just just maybe go by title alphabetically, you know, A through H and then I through P and Q through Z and You'll keep some of your sanity, maybe. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's long gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's, you guys had one of the questions you had asked um, when we were coming on was like, what are your favorite years of Marvel? And uh, looking at the 80s in particular, you know, you mentioned collecting there. The 80s are really tough. So I, when you asked the question, I got, I got, you know, pretty uh pretty into it and started doing it by decade so i'm like oh that's kind of an interesting <laughs> idea and for the 60s i can pick pretty easily it's 1966 i think is is kind of a no-brainer um for the 70s i'd say i think you said you started collecting in 1975 i would say that's actually probably the best year mm-hmm. of of that decade because you get the launch of giant size x-men all new all different team you get claremont joining on uncanny right after that like it's that alone is like such a huge moment in marvel 80s it's like you could pick anything 80 through 86 maybe not 85 because that's when secret wars 2 happens and no thank you um but yeah why not no love for beyonders jerry curl <laughs> i wouldn't say no love but not enough love I mean, <laughs> come on that let's was, go flashback come that on. was also the adventure of how beyonder got to learn how to go to the bathroom and i mean <laughs> I, I mean spider-man did his best teaching him so credit's <laughs> where it's due absolutely I mean, Peter Parker is kind of terrible at things. At least, you know, he knew how to do that. I'm really proud of him that he didn't get that wrong. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. also, right. so I, I can't wait till six months from now when I can figure out what you guys are talking about. <laughs> when, <laughs> when the comic book club eventually gets up to <laughs> there's an honest man. I like that. Very good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's great to to hit the, uh, the the popular ones, the most known ones. But yeah, if you just mentioned the the little ones. Enforcers or their characters in the you know because otherwise you could just go for the official handbook of the Marvel Universe and break characters down that way maybe and right. that would easily definitely be alphabetical order and then of course you get to the books of the dead and at least at the time of publication these characters were deceased I don't know the Necronomicon ex mortis yeah if you want to put it in Latin 
Now, also, guys, with this, what are some of the characters that when you were reading these books that you were like, wow, I didn't expect to like this character as much as I did? You want me to go? I, I, yeah, I, I feel like you've... This. <laughs> it's probably too hard to look at it fresh, but uh, so the thing that I am like, have been so excited about lately is discovering Alpha Flight in the Ooh. 80s. Yeah, it's a good discovery. I, I can't this. wait till we Thanks get to like. the 80s. I I am crazy about Alpha Flight. I think they are like so cool. The like the 80s run, the John Byrne run of Alpha Flight is like right up there with the Avengers for me. And I, I can't wait till we get to the 80s on the podcast and I can just, you know, gush and gush. Which I love this series. I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. I think my biggest <laughs> my biggest takeaway doing this the first time was I had not read 60s Fantastic Four, and I think um, Fantastic Four have have definitely gone through some tough. They, the modern era has not been super kind to them. You know, they they sort of seem antiquated. Even they're like there have been some excellent creative runs on the series, like Hickman, Wade, and Waringo. Like there's good stuff in the 2000s, but with the two bad movies or mediocre movies, let's say maybe there's differing opinions there. Um, and then the more recent one that was such a such a bomb, certainly critically. When you go back and read those '60s Fantastic Four issues, they're so good and they're so fun. Like I, I really want people who maybe aren't super into the idea of Silver Age comics. They're old. Like check out the Fantastic Four issues. They are really, really special, and and that definitely stood out the most to me. I mean, in all honesty, the movie was so bad that Johnny Storm had to go off to Wakanda. So I don't think it was a very good movie. But <laughs> um, I don't know if somebody that's, has called it a bomb before, but I'm like, yeah, it was an FF bomb. Ooh, that's borderline swearing. I'm sorry. Stop that. But I have to go back to you guys talking about, you know, the question had come up and, you know, your favorite year. And I honestly never thought about with what I've read, um, which was really, again, in the 80s, and, and I... I had cut it down and stopped in the early '90s, and it's it's a it's a big game of catch up for me. You missed the but, game of chromium, um, whatever your favorite metal is, titanium or vibranium or whatever. Adamantium. But, uh, adamantium, sure. Thank a lot, snicked. But to try and pick a year, I, you know, I don't even know if I've tried to wrap my head around that. I do remember one. I'm going to say it was '86, where all the titles, all the different titles were of a headshot of that comic book character and you had all around the framing of that issue all, a lot, all the 86 all the other characters yeah so that was a theme running through all of them not unlike mm-hmm. what you see now but uh, I really want to brain the, the genius who decided to put the issue number on the bottom in a red bar across the bottom of the comic book so your, your filing system really goes topsy-turvy <laughs> You know what I mean? Over, That's over a trick. Yeah, definitely. It's just stupid. I'm sorry. Over here, for some reason, the year you officially become like a hardcore fan of this collecting, I feel like that's like one of the most special years that you can think of. And yeah, I got back in in 2011 when I was in college. I was bored going to a uh, party school and I didn't drink, so I'm like, well, shit. What do I want to do? Eh, comics, whatever. So I, you know, started reading comics and. Like, I came in around the time of DC's New 52, um, and like a year before Marvel Now, so stuff like Fear Itself, while not that great, still has like a really special spot in my heart because of, you know, yeah, sure. you know this, uh, that was what was big going on at the time. And of course, 
I can't get enough of Spider Island. Spider Island is like Dan Slott's opus of Spider-Man. And yeah. So yeah. me 2001 and maybe 2006 for like looking at the stuff with Civil War, which by the way, you guys mentioned, you know, with the whole aspect of all these different tie-ins to get the real complete story. Yeah. Millar did a great job with Civil War. But you do need to read every single tie-in in order to get, you know, the whole story processed. And that's a lot of reading. Mm-hmm. It's mass marketing cross Yeah, definitely. It's, it, it really is. And it's, it's like the sales tactic. They just keep feeding it and feeding it and feeding it. So it grows exponentially. I do think, you know, if we're looking at even just Marvel today, like the rate of publication is probably one of their biggest flaws. Like there's just there's too much product if you and i love comics i love the marvel universe and all these characters but like it's just too much to process and i think the quality suffers it's Um, over a thousand a year right they put out somewhere over somewhere over a thousand issues per year yeah and it is kind of nice like when we're going back and looking at these years in the 60s like you can you can legitimately read an entire year's worth of output and and not feel horrible (laughs) you know and it's like i think i think there's lots of what you're saying peter about the year that you started or the year that you got really into collecting, maybe like everyone's going to have that year that just feels special to them, even if they can look back and be like, well, critically, I don't know that uh, uh, like something like, you know, House of M was the best ever. But man, that was important to me. Like, I feel like everybody's got their yeah, it, it, Marvel for me. That's that's really the way that I got into Marvel Comics past when I was a kid, it was all the cartoons, Spider-Man cartoon. But first, like comics that I really dove into Marvel Comics was just my local library had trade paperbacks of all the Ultimate Marvel, and just just reading my way through years of that. And yeah, I mean it's a it's a great way to like get acclimated with all those characters if you don't have a background to it. Ultimate is such a it's such a good place to jump in for new readers yeah, too. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's so, it's such a good idea. <laughs> it's weird that Marvel didn't, I, I kind of wish they had just done, and I don't know, there's too much of a tangent. I wish they had just done a decade and said, we're going to do 2000 to 2010, the ultimate universe. And then you know what? In 2011, new ultimate unit, right? And just like every decade, there was a new. Revitalize it. Yeah, like a new version of it. Because for, for at least six years, the ultimate universe is like man, just go in and read all of those. Like, if you want to get a feel for Marvel characters. I mean, also, Spider-Man is one of my favorite comics of all time. It's fantastic stuff. Yeah. Eddie has actually never read any of the Ultimate Spider-Man. And I said to him, like, why did you not? He's like, I've already, look how much I already have to read. Yeah. You think I'm going to read that? <laughs> and oh, I understand. Yeah. I completely understand. But yeah. in all honesty, he is missing out on, like, so, like something special with, you know, especially spoilers, because, I mean, it's in the title of it, but Death of Spider-Man is one of the most impactful comic books and it always annoys me when I hear people go on you know the whole they're pushing an agenda with the whole Miles Morales thing first off bullshit that's not the case it's a quality character and it makes sense for that universe you see someone like I want to be the new Spider-Man and there's a lot of elements of how do I say just like the way it's constructed, the way it's done, and you, Bendis brings you on a ride with these characters, mm-hmm. and it's phenomenal. And and Miles fits into that universe and that transition so well. 
And I feel like we could probably talk about Miles for like two hours because of becoming <laughs> off Spider Verse. Like he's he's all the rage, and for good reason. Like it's such a he's such a cool character in Spider Verse, the the movie, the new animated film, nailed it so well. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Oh, oh um, three times now. Uh, okay, Ooh, yeah. all right. <laughs> it's it's great stuff, and it's just yeah, you're you're spot on. Like Miles is a fantastic transition for that character, and it's the sort of thing that like mainstream Marvel continuity. I don't want to say they can't do it, but they certainly haven't. And it's uh, it's a tougher sell, and you know then you get the ultimate universe, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna try it, and and guess what, it paid off huge. And even now, like I was rereading a little bit of Ultimate Spider-Man because, to be honest, making that movie into the Spider Verse was the best promotional tool because it got me reading so much more Spider-Man than I already was reading as a diehard yeah. Spider-Man fan. But the idea of it's still, with like the exception of some cosmetic things that you see with how the characters look it still holds up and could be read today. Obviously, you're not going to have, you know, the uh, frosted tips like that Flash Thompson has, but it's going to be, it's still going to feel like, wow, that's kind of like real high school. Like, Ben just still understands, you know, this, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's like it launched, it launched in 2000, so the majority of the run is at least like post 9-11 America, which is like a very, if you read comics, like it's a very distinct attitude and tonal thing that that shifts for obvious reasons um but yeah it's like it does yes maybe their cell phones are you know the size of like issue <laughs> but it's yeah. like otherwise it's still of the era yeah i just think though with with ultimate it was a direction i didn't want to go into and and yes it was publicized about the death of peter parker and everything and i said that's another can of worms i don't want to necessarily jump into now Dead maybe worms. that partially influenced what I thought of Spider-Verse, and I, I thought it was a very good film. Maybe I'm not used to seeing full-length animated films, and I didn't give it a glowing 10 out of 10 like my podcast partner here. Nine and a half, uh, No, no. It's no. not Logan good. It's I, I swear you, uh, as God is my witness, you gave it a 10 out of 10. I gave and it you, a 5 out of 5, Eddie. No, you posted it. You posted it. And I said, are you kidding me? I'm probably a hypocrite, all right? <laughs> so that's maybe, now we're getting somewhere, yeah. I once thought Batman v Superman colon Dawn of Justice was a, was a good movie at one point, Eddie. Okay, I thought that. <sighs> well, that point we, is we were all gone. confused. We were all confused. That point is we were young, gone. naive. Well, the other thing about <laughs> Spider-Verse, just to touch on that, is that I'm dealing with six Spider-Men, and I'm kind of confused. Well, one's a woman, Eddie. <laughs> so, Spider-People. Okay, fine. It'll be poli- politi- politically and gender correct here. There we go. Just so wait till you catch that. up to Spider-Geddon in 2018. Well, we see, got, that's we got, the we new... We got hundreds of spiders for you. Yeah, yes, I'm sure. My favorite moment, by the way, when I... Eddie collecting was, Eddie, are, you're going to stop reading Spider-Man, or stop buying Spider-Man? Yeah, I, I have to, I have to, I have to put an end to it. Eddie, you do realize in like five years you're going to be spending like $15 for Spider-Man number one, the Nick Spencer run. You know this is going to happen. Just get the book already. No, I'm not getting it. And he, he stood by his convictions. I'll give him that. Yes, I stopped at 801 instead of 800 with that last uh, that last run. But now this... Those odd numbers, Eddie. <laughs> it's, yes, we, we sure are. And then I think in March, the, uh, the five issues of Decades of Spider-Man, I forgot the title uh, that's going to be. Life Story by... Life Story. Uh, Mark Bagley in front of the show, Chad Zimbabwe. Yeah. So. Yep. That or, sounds interesting, or actually. If we're being, you know, literal, but yeah, well, that's what we do. <laughs> okay. That series looks interesting. I'm I'm actually particularly interested in that comic, given 
the what we're doing with my marvelous year like as we're going through reading every year of decades i'm really curious to see what um what zadarsky and the team there are going to do like with their version of spider-man i i think that approach is kind of interesting and it's something that like marvel seems to be experimenting with a little bit more with series like um x-men grand design you know that the cartoonist Ed pisker working on this which is really cool yeah it's a it's a fun idea where they're just like what if we took all of x-men history and told it in a single story, right? And told it in like one giant sized issue that Piscor, who's fantastic, can, you know, kind of like merge into his own blend of continuity and things that are important. It's like it's it's taking the historical of Marvel and making it current for new readers. And it's I'm I'm very compelled by new like ideas and ways Marvel can do that. Make right? making us redundant. Grand Design is like a gorgeous and hip book. Just the way it looks, the yeah. the love of retro. Because obviously, if you know any of y'all out there have read it, Hip Hop Family Tree, I believe it's a uh, four or five volumes worth, and it's him recounting the history of hip hop from the very beginning all the way, like I think to nineteen eighty six, eighty seven. But yeah. just yeah. phenomenal stuff, and to be able to see this guy who he loves comics and he loves Marvel and seeing like little things in his work. I, I think in hip hop family tree, he sneaks in Rob Liefeld with the Levi jeans commercial. So yeah, it's, he's that much of a comic head where he's going to, you know, throw the Rob father and his, uh, Wranglers. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Where do we go from here? Um, now that all the children are growing up, I know exactly. Right. Alan Parsons. What's project. next on, uh, on your, agenda i guess for uh my marvelous year uh zach do you want to take this one yeah oh well what's next is just to uh <laughs> i don't know we, we we just launched today with episode one so we're just we're just excited to you know hit the ground running we've, we've got a couple episodes of the bank and we're going to try to just put out a good consistent weekly podcast try to build this community and i mean i'm I'm really excited. So so far, we already have a bunch of people like in our our Patreon Slack chan- channel talking. And like, what's so cool about it is we have this big range of people who are some people who have never really dipped their toes in Marvel comics, and they want to come in to 1962 fresh and unspoiled. They they want to read the 50 years, 50 plus years of Marvel history with you know with with no f- foreknowledge of what what's what's going to come. And then we've got people who have been reading them for 30 40 years in there so we have this like really cool mix of of uh comic fans in there and i'm just excited to see um see people's reactions to the these these comic books as we as we go through them well the yeah, ones, that, yeah. Oh, go ahead no i was just gonna ask the ones that you said are just just finding your, themselves to marvel were they saying you know where they'd been or they're just getting into marvel as opposed a to a lot of dc else? dc fans yeah okay we, we, oh, I think everyone that I've seen who said that said, you know, I've always been a big DC fan, but I've wanted, you know, I've always been interested in getting into Marvel, but, you know, jumping into one of these superhero continuities, brand new, it's always a tough endeavor. Um, and, you know, they, they found their way to Dave's website and the My Marvelous Year list and then found their way to our podcast. And, yeah, and the, a- the way we do it essentially is basically if you go to mymarvelousyear.com, It'll take you to a page on Comic Herald where we share out all of the lists. So, like, we're not being – we're trying to be as as non-secretive as possible. Like, yeah. here's the list of issues we're planning to read. So, if anybody who wants to do it, like, in real time with us, you know, like Zach said, you know, we're putting a new episode out every week. But we're not necessarily doing a year every week. So, we're trying to give 
like a reasonable length of time, you know, a week or a couple about, weeks. About 10 issues a week, somewhere yeah. around there, so, something manageable. Yeah, right. So like you can you can find all the lists there. And then obviously if you want to play along, if you want to do it at your own pace, certainly that's that's also oh, an option and too. I guess a big thing that we didn't mention is it just Dave was really careful with crafting the list that everything here is on Marvel Unlimited, which is yeah. like such a good app. I just had like a, a nightmare the other day where I realized how dependent we are on Marvel Unlimited. Like <laughs> I, ha- I had a moment of like opening up my Google News to find out like Marvel announces they're shuttering Marvel Unlimited and <laughs> <laughs> how much our whole project is so dependent on that but <laughs> bar- barring catastrophe which i'm sure won't happen it's such a big deal for them um you know marvel unlimited is just like it's so nice to be able to have the entire back catalog for was it 60 dollars a year 70 dollars a year yeah, on right sales like miles deal right right yeah which i mean it's incredible and you know that's that's how we encourage everyone to go go about and read these comics yeah totally I know uh, DC is doing something similar with their DC Universe app, but unfortunately, only kind of barely. <laughs> yeah, like it's not that bad, guys. <laughs> I just I hate the idea okay. of being curated, and I think yeah. the idea, like for example, with their movies, for example, hey, we're going to take Dark Knight off because well, we're putting on that on Netflix, but, but right? Uh, why? 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 Mm-hmm. Why? 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 You guys own this; you can keep it. <laughs> But I understand. I mean, it dips in the DVD sales, it dips in the book sales, etc. Marvel doesn't see that problem. Marvel is like, nah, well, we we want to keep Dave everything. Has made this point a lot, where like you walk out of Miles, you walk out of Spider Verse, wanting to know more about Miles Morales, and then you know you go pay seven bucks and you have the whole back catalog, like probably at least a hundred issues of Miles Morales' his origin, oh. everything up to you know six months ago, basically. Yeah, you walk out of Aquaman. You know, what do you get in DC Universe? Like two odd, obscure runs of Aquaman, maybe? The entire like, 90s run, man. Oh, Peter sorry. David right. is good. Sorry, sorry. Peter is good? David okay. is the I, man. I don't have context. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't <laughs> throw shade. No, but there's like, there's not a modern run. And yeah, I, I do like to make that point because it's just like, it's just, it just kills enthusiasm. Whereas Marvel Unlimited, I think, fuels it. And to come like full circle on the Miles conversation, Following that movie, like the top reading order on Compo Herald for weeks now has been Miles Morales. That's and awesome. it's so cool. It's so cool to see. It's just like everybody wants to know more about him. And I like he was not a top, I don't know, like 50 character on my site before that movie. And now he's like a household name. And that's super cool. I was talking to somebody the other day and they asked me, you know, oh, which is your favorite Spider-Man? And like I had the geekiest smile on my face because I'm like that that is a question you have to ask in 28 or 2019 yeah. and also just like we invaded pop culture officially like the the hardcore comics invaded and i love it mm-hmm. i love the mm-hmm. fact i love that miguel o'hara is going to be something like that people know you know i mm-hmm. love that mm-hmm. but yeah it's a good place to be for sure you know uh, on that note a bit um i guess if it wasn't for what i'm doing now for the past year I wouldn't know much about I, I know very little about Miles because I'm guessing if if somebody somewhere did some kind of research, there's gotta be an age cutoff threshold, whatever, where you're a Spider Man purist and you know it's Peter Parker and only him and you know him the length of time that you read it, even if it was in the newspaper strips and the daily news, you have no concern or care for for miles at all it's the new generation spider-man let's say so 
to say that, you know, when he came on the scene at circa 2000, uh, maybe appealing to a mass bigger audience, you, you kind of, I don't know, to me it's fuzzy as to what the reasons were. And then by extension, a Ms. Marvel going to a different ethnicity and uh, the, Iron, the Ironheart character. So, you know, and then Sam... Which um, wiki? Oh, no, that's Transformers. Sam Wilson becoming the new Captain America. So uh, a lot of twists going on here. And whether you want to strap in and hang on for the ride that takes you all around the place now, I don't know. Uh, but it could polarize some people, I suppose. And being purists. Yeah, and, I think, and, you know. It's it's definitely been, there's definitely been polarization. Like, that is absolutely fair to, to say. There are definitely longtime Marvel Comics fans who have found that off-putting. I know... It's a lot of it's going to come down to personal taste. I think with those new characters, Miles, Kamala Khan, and Miss Marvel, there have been some of the best comics Marvel has produced this decade. So they have been in some of the absolute best comics. Um, you mentioned Ironheart. I didn't like that series that much. Like it goes, it goes it's multiple really ways depending based on, the, on the strength of the character. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, some of it. Too. And then, like, that character will get in the hands of a new writer and they'll do something fascinating with it. And and it's just like, it's just building the universe, to me at least, in the way that I think we see it's always been done. Like, when you come into the 60s, like, there's a new character every second. You know, it's like, yeah. that's just the nature of the beast. And then even, it's just like, throughout Marvel Comics history, like, we're doing it year by year. But, man, you get new characters all the time. Um, I think the legacy thing, inheriting titles, that's a debate we could have. I I, I do think maybe there's a generational component of like I think of that as like kind of like a '90s DC thing. Certainly, with like you get Tim Drake coming, Robin. Um, you get a, like Wally West as the Flash. You know, it's like these things where like '90s DC comics. You know, definitely there was a lot of legacy characters that for people growing up with those books, Tim Drake is Robin, Wally West is Flash. Those are their guys, right? Especially like basically, I think the, really the breaking point for Marvel here is 2015. They had the big new Secret Wars, which is my favorite thing ever. And it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I'm a huge fan. I I won't go down that rabbit hole right now. But basically, coming out of that, you got like you got such a surge of legacy characters in the Marvel universe, and that definitely was off-putting to a number of readers who were like, "Who are these people? Why is this happening?" Um, some were great, like I mentioned, Miss Marvel, love it. Everybody should read that series. Um, but some, you know, were middle of the road. It you know it's kind of that's that's what superhero comics are right you you look for the diamonds in the rough and then some are just like okay I've seen stories like this before and I mean in all honesty you bring up the point of a writer can change a character you know like maybe the the run wasn't that good but then so and so comes on like for example over at uh over at DC and Nascenti was working on Green Arrow wasn't that popular Jeff Lemire comes in boom solid run one of the best. You also have that over at Marvel with, for example, uh, when you introduce a character like Deadpool, and he's not that great of a character in his initial appearances, but then Joe Kelly comes along, reinvents the character, makes him into what he is now. Yeah, you know, it's it really depends on the writing staff behind. And also, again, writing is an art form, and much like all art forms, it's subjective, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I... I back it up 50 years from that with x-men we're reading x-men in 1963 i think that starts mm-hmm. i'm and, sorry to hear that <laughs> and it's it's fine <laughs> exactly you know like it's yeah. not it it's got it's got some of the part components of what you think of as x-men but you know it, it's it's not great it's not bad but it's not great either and it's kind of surprising how much it's just kind of lukewarm for what another 
12 years or something after its premiere. And then Chris Claremont comes around and just puts so much life and energy and so so much of what we think is so integral to those characters. I actually said it into that universe. I said it to the man himself at uh, New York Comic Con this uh, past year. I walk up to Chris Claremont and I say, you know, when you really think about it, you're the Jack Kirby of writing comics. And he's very much a um, figure in comics that he did a lot of changes. He did a lot of things that go unappreciated compared to, you know, his contemporaries. And he was just phenomenal with what he did and then you know chris goes that is the nicest thing i've heard all day and i go chris it's 10 o'clock in the morning so (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome that was that was one of my favorite highlights too of reading year by year is you're like oh cool claremont's on uncanny in 1975 and then yeah 1983 oh yeah claremont claremont's still here oh man he's the best 1988 oh man claremont's so good wait 1991 it's been 16 years it's like it's so unprecedented it's remarkable it's it's one of the coolest things to be able to see he had that lasting power as a writer and like the quality was consistent like some people say it got a little bit wonky towards the end but when you look at his contemporaries like an alan moore swamp thing fell off the rails like the final like few issues like but compared to x-men it was consistent and it was solid i i x-men is so fascinating for that time period it's one of my favorites to dive into and i think like even people who haven't read it who think they know x-men you know maybe from the animated series or maybe read a lot more modern books it's like yeah but did you know they lived in australia for like two years (laughs) it's like (laughs) there's so much weird stuff that was a revelation moment i think actually (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, I probably right. read that so- that time period too. I remember this. I mean, I'm thinking of the Savage Land, but I didn't think it was for that that long. I know. Also, what else? What other? Uh, what I want to know is in regards to certain stories, the ones that you've read for my marvelous year. What are the ones that stand out to you as this really is my favorite thing I've read in the Marvel continuity? Oof. <laughs> I think for me. You know, it's funny. We were talking a lot about Spider-Man and like and legacy characters. I, Spider-Man's always been my favorite character, and Peter Parker um, is probably like my favorite hero. So honestly, reading the first 100 issues of Amazing Spider-Man is is such a joy. Like I I kind of never get tired of that. Um, I'm trying to think of like anything else. Zach, go ahead and talk while I'm. Oh I'm man, I mean, <laughs> I I think. I don't know if I can say my, my favorite thing. I, I, you put well, it's definitely, right al- definitely Alpha but, Flight, but besides that. Oh, yeah. I mean, Alpha Flight has been the biggest, like, I've never heard of any of these. I don't didn't know this existed until this moment. That was and they are like, I'm having so, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good too. And, you know, like, yeah, I love them. But um, I think one of the bigger surprises for me is how much I've been, I like Thor reading these. Like, I don't have any, I, outside of the MCU, I have very little context for him. And Journey into Mystery right at the beginning in the 60s. It's a ton of fun. Uh, Jack Kirby's drawings of these like kind of space sci-fi Norse drawings. Super awesome. But then, you know, you get into the 80s and the Walt Simonson stuff is like that. That's about as far as I've read is like through the Walt Simonson runs. But just uh, just the way that Thor's whole universe is so like wrapped up in the Norse thing, but still so like uniquely Marvel's own brand of it has been such a fun surprise. 
Yeah, and I had read Simonson. So it's, speaking of Simonson, actually, there's a cool like. So I read his Thor before, which is awesome, and it goes for I think about four years, and it's fantastic. And I read that, but what I didn't realize was like Walt Simonson wrote other books for Marvel, including Fantastic Four, which are some of like my favorite late '80s issues, or he and like I think even into the early '90s, um, he does. He does some really cool, like one of the coolest Reed Richards versus Doctor Doom fights you'll ever see. I want to say it's FF like 350, but I could be off on the number there. Um, but he also does like the world's weirdest Fantastic Four team. It's like Ghost Rider and Spider-Man and Wolverine and maybe Hulk, I want to say. And it's like they all, for whatever reason, they decide they have to be the Fantastic Four for like a night. <laughs> and there's just some weird, like the one thing you get when you're looking through everything Marvel published in a year is you find those oddities where a lot of times for me, it's like, Oh, like I recognize those creators. I wonder what they were doing. And then it's like, oh, Walt Simonson on Avengers, and he's doing seventy Kangs all traveling through time, fighting one another <laughs> and the Avengers. And it's like this is nuts, that, and it's so much. Guy's fun. imagination is is wild. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one one of the this is this isn't Marvel, but one of the, like the coolest things he did is recently took Thor and redid Thor in his own like creator owned comic called Ragnarok, mm. and, and did like a twelve issue series. Yeah, super cool. And, like, I mean, he's most known for doing Thor for Marvel. And then for him to take that and dip his toes in again and write an entirely new series about these characters that feel so fresh and so different from anything he's done before, like, yeah, really cool. I'm actually interested because I, like I said, I've been going through the My Marvelous Year on my own. I want to know, do you guys go with 1993's Fight Man by Evan Dorkin? Because that is such a obscure character, and yet... He did manage to find a way to get introduced in the Agent X series after Deadpool. You'll have to. I I, I haven't read that far in Marvel, so that's a Dave question. Yeah, I'm I, out. I, <laughs> I did have Agent X as a bonus round, so there's a chance he may make an appearance by you know what is that like 2003 probably by the time we get to Agent X maybe earlier, um, but not the original appearance. I don't know if that's in MU or not. It, it's such a weird thing that you know they marvel always finds a way to pull out the most obscure characters because yeah you know you'll have the a-listers the b-listers the c-listers d etc but when you see a letter that hasn't even doesn't even exist after z that kind of character shows up it's kind of impressive that these writers and artists can do that like slapstick a few years ago was such an obscure character and just randomly came back for no reason that was that was a weird reappearance. Yeah, it's it is one of the cooler things that can happen in comics. Where I guess actually, like on the DC side, like Kite Man's resurgence as like a really a really important Batman player. Like who would have seen that coming? And it's like Kite Man, hell yeah! It's like the the best <laughs> meme in Batman, you know. So yeah, it's it's one of the more fun aspects of comics for sure. I think slapstick was the newer decade version of uh, I don't know the Impossible Man. Let's say. Yeah, something mm. like that. Because I know he was in like a mini series in the early '90s, and then disappeared for like two whole decades, and then just randomly showed up in Deadpool's Mercs for Money. And yeah, him and Fool Killer. There was a, that '90s nostalgia really went crazy there uh, a few years back. Have either of you read the uh, Fool Killer run from the 1990s by uh, Steve Gerber? Uh, I have not. That's that's one I'm missing. I'd like to go back. It's intense. It's really intense. It's really a 90s comic, but it's Gerber, too. So mm-hmm. it's got that level of absurd and just psychoticness to it. Yeah. 
Gerber's work on Man Thing was one of my '70s highlights for sure because that was one I had not read, and I'd read Howard the Duck, and I have an appreciation for Howard definitely based on that work. I I'm definitely missing like the you had to be there pieces of it, um, <laughs> but but I do appreciate the satire. But man, Man Thing I think holds up really well despite a silly name and an obvious Swamp Thing <laughs> like inspiration. But that that's some good Steve Gerber stuff right there, yeah. I was going to jump back to, like you said, you were really close. I happened to go through it recently, meaning look at it and use it for a post on the the Fantastic Four lineup. And it was three issues just before uh, 350, that cover, I think Mm. it was 348 issue number. Um, And uh, among the thousands of things I have to read and catch up on. But when you first said uh, read Richards versus Doctor Doom, I immediately went to issue 200. Which I remember pretty well. The yellow cover. No, right? the thick cover mm-hmm. actually. That was a big issue in the uh, late seventies. If I remember right, Doctor Doom takes a break mid battle to play an organ solo <laughs> in that in that issue, yeah, and it's I one of my so. favorite Doom things. Yeah. Doom toots as he pleases. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Now. Also, um, just the, what are some of the favorite battles you've seen during your time doing my marvelous year? Oh, I, I can answer this one. Just uh, so this might be not this isn't like the most epic, cool battle, but some of the like the funnest ones have been Thor versus Loki in the early journey versus journey into mystery, in uh, mostly the ways that like they kind of humiliate each other. <laughs> so we we just talked about uh, I think it's in Thor's second appearance it's i think it's journey into mystery 86 um and the first the 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 um the debut of loki he comes to earth tries to trick thor into stealing his hammer big fight ensues and eventually thor subdues loki and he needs to get him back to asgard so he ties him up straps him to the back of the hammer and then just wings the hammer back to asgard with loki on the back of the hammer (laughs) it could always be that easy right (laughs) yeah uh and then uh, yeah, there, you know, there's there's Loki flying off in a flock of birds trying to escape from Thor. He, there's Loki trapping Thor in a, a um, at one point he he tricks him just into falling into a pit in the ground that's just covered with sticks and leaves, but Thor falls for it and is <laughs> stuck in a pit in the ground. Uh, there's yeah, the, the the dynamic between the two of them is really fun. I'd love to see uh, Thor get tricked by Loki with a dollar on the ground attached to a string. That could that could. It, it's work. really that simple. It's, it's not, it's that not more problem. complicated than that. And, and the Thor has a really hard time getting out of this hole. <laughs> it's keep him funny. separated from his hammer for sixty seconds, and it's done. That's the yeah. beginning. Yeah. yeah. He can fly. He can't jump. <laughs> <laughs> now, what do you guys feel is going to be the future for this show? Like, what's what is one of the goals that you guys would like to accomplish with my marvelous year? Yeah. So I think like we've definitely got a good, it's going to take us, you know, a, a bit to get like up to speed to present day. So okay. I'm not worried about running out of material, certainly mm-hmm. in that regard. I think one thing we've looked at as like a bonus idea is actually like talking about the Marvel ultimate universe. Mm-hmm. So not even necessarily just when we get to the two thousands, but like discussing that as on its own terms, since it is such a good entry point for people. Um, I think like doing a, like really a separate sideshow 
where we just talked ultimate because I think there's enough there to really dive into. Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise we're working year by year. I think, uh, Zach, correct for wrong. I think our plan is by the end of 2019, we want to have an episode out on everything up through 1982. I think it is something like that. Yeah. The early eighties and, and then it's going to slow down, but <laughs> yeah, we're going to, we're going to try to get through somewhat somewhere around 20 Marvel years in 2019. That's impressive. Like, well, oh. that's, it's it is definitely doable, but yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. I mean, we're, we're, the way that Dave has it written out in that list, it's it is pretty doable. Like it's it's really not, uh, you know, it's something you can fit into your your daily routine. You know, it's one maybe two issues a day. Um, you know, we're we're it, we're trying to make it accessible for people who are not just the most hardcore Marvel Marvel fans. You know, yeah, for sure. Now, when you guys get into like the 2000s, one of the things that's very noticeable about comics, modern comics, especially 2005-ish onwards, is how quick a comic book is to read. And in that instance, you can be able to read like like in like a 1960s Lee and Kirby book it takes like maybe 20-ish minutes, give or take, you know, because of all the panels and whatnot with the dialogue, exposition, etc. Newer comics like that. Like that, mm-hmm. well, yeah. Are you guys in, in the like, amount of yeah? Are oh, you guys oh, be like oh, doubling oh. up the content for those? We we might end up adjusting the speed because right right now we're our episodes are already already pretty lengthy, uh, but the part of that is that there is so much plot packed into every one of these Silver Age issues. So we, we talk about um, Daredevil number one soon, and in that comic. Uh, Matt Murdock's in, in one page of Daredevil number one. Matt Murdock's father loses his boxing match, gets shot in an alley behind the the boxing uh, boxing ring. Uh, Matt Murdock graduates college, starts a law firm with Foggy Nelson, and hires Karen Page. I think that is all on one page. It's a single page, so, yeah. So for Dave and I to discuss like what the what is happening issue by issue, they just put so much in it. It just takes us a long time to talk about them because a lot happens in each issue. But you know, more modern writers are, are comfortable spreading that out and letting it be a little bit more of a I don't know, you know, thematic well, it, rather than plot. They call it decompression. I think yeah, is like sure. the, the technical term in comics and. It, definitely it's like you can read six issues of a modern run in in the time it takes to read you know a single lean curvy joint especially if you're like really really savoring that that uh meaty stanley dialogue that he's known for the good stuff yeah. um but yeah so it's like i think i think once we get to more modern stuff it's talking about them in in story in story chunks like they're intended rather than right now you can really talk issue by issue and talk about it for such a good long while because it's like four chapters of insane amount of plot. Um, so it's very different styles. You know, you can see that progression. I think like, I always think of it like really in the, I don't it's probably like late nineties really takes off where things just become so much faster. Um, and make of it what you will, you know, you could say you're getting less bang for your buck or you could say it's more readable, you know, different tastes certainly. I think as you guys go along, it's probably a no brainer. You'll, you'll work into the conversation uh, crossing over into the movies just to say, hey, boys and girls, this is where the idea came from to put this storyline with, with whatever character into the movie. And here's, or here's where this character is like this in the book, but actually had to be turned into this for the movie. Things like that, I'm sure, will come up 
in time with you guys, right? Well, we definitely touch on that even even now, I would say, even in the early 60s, where it's like even character introductions um, or something like, you know, the introduction of Canfit America or and, and talk a little bit about how it's like, you know, slightly different than the MCU because it's so it's so prevalent now. It's hard not to use that as a touchstone. You know, it's like it's hard not to just immediately assume that, like, well, everyone's seen those. So let's compare it to that. It, it's yeah. definitely the, right. the template that you're referencing when you talk Marvel, I think, in any capacity. Yep. The biggest difference with the original origin and the, you know, the movie version, Bucky in Captain America is just such a stark contrast. Let's just throw a child into war because now he's a mascot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, we read that for our Golden Age episode. And it's just like, I mean, Bucky walks in on Captain America and finds a secret identity. And Captain America's like, well, that's it. I guess you're my war sidekick. <laughs> There's no other option. I need to take a child into war now. <laughs> It's real wild. I almost wish they had tried that in the first <laughs> just just to see the reaction. Yeah, what have Sebastian Stan pretending he's a child walking around on his kneecaps? That'd be that would be that would be a movie. I would I would cater. You have that the movie. technology. They did it with hobbits. Do it with Sebastian. Yeah. <laughs> now, also one thing that I was thinking about: Are you guys going to be incorporating the Marvel and DC crossovers? Because those were very big events. You know, each time. So I think those would be those would be fun to talk about as we get to them. I think especially um, JLA Avengers, I think, which was I want to say written by Kurt Busiak is is a real good one. Um, I did I, I thought too about like Amalgam or Amalgam, however you say it. You know where they're doing the the mashups of I'm like uh, Amalgam myself. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Save me on that one. Um, <laughs> they, like Dark Claws is Batman meets Wolverine. Um, that universe is really fun. Green Skull is uh, is Lex Luthor meets Red Skull. So and it, anyway, I'm ranting about it now. But yes, short answer. I'd like to talk about them. They're not in Marvel Unlimited because of whatever copyright issues that runs into. Um, yeah. But those would be good ones to do, I think, as we get to them. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking, too, when Peter first mentioned that, uh, the first thing I thought of, and 1982 is what pops up in my head, is the X-Men and Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's, that's solo, right. That, uh, solo book, yeah. Claremont, Claremont Simpson, yeah. That's a that's a fascinating one where you get the. I X-Men think that was probably the. Phoenix, I'm going to say the first, first one of to do that. No, no, it was a uh, Spider-Man, Superman. I think there's a Spidey well, Superman one okay. shot. I think in the late 70s. Yeah, yeah but which I have that, not read. But, but isn't that the the large Marvel Treasury Edition type thing? But, but it's a comic book. Eddie. Yes, I know. But then there's the <laughs> Batman colors. and Hulk also. And if we really have to be that pedantic, actually, the first ever Marvel DC book is The Wizard of Oz. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, actually, I think I there's a chapter I, in the Bible. Yeah, I thought I had a yeah, and I thought I had a, uh, a, a gotten away with a cheap copy of it, but it truly is not. It doesn't have the Marvel and DC across Eddie, the top. I, lo- I love how thrifty you are. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I like the Bible reference too. That came after the Gospels, you know, the Acts. <laughs> it's true actually apostles you guys stop that stop that Eddie oh sure bring it yeah, back yeah. Now. <laughs> oh, sure sure no that's the first one that I think I remember that's why I'm thinking it's the first one out there was the, the X-Men Teen Titans crossover that uh, I was like whoa what are they doing what are they putting these two you know universes together and stuff but uh, chocolate and peanut butter that's right two great tastes that taste great together Now, also, we have, of course, you know, we're going to have the good, 
but we also have to have the bad. What are some of the most painful things you guys have had to read for this? What are some, mm. what are things that, you know, you feel should be rated R for arduous, even though that begins with an A? Yeah, that's a good question. I think early X-Men's definitely a disappointment and it feels, it feels more critical because of what X-Men would become. So you yeah. like, I, I definitely feel guilt skipping issues of X-Men, but then I read them and I, I kick myself for diving back into it. Um, what else is a little rough? Uh, I, have, I have one, but you're, you're not going to like it, Dave. Spider-Man. <laughs> right, Five o'clock. I, I think one of the, my least favorite things I ever read in Marvel Unlimited or from part of the My Marvelous Year list is Secret Wars. Least favorite? How dare you? I, I know. Yeah, this is this is going to be like I, I'm going to this is going to be a real contentious <laughs> episode yeah. when after we get the, to 1984. Cause talking, I think Dave has. Oh, well, no, Dave, Dave knows my feelings, but we, we haven't talked at length about this and i haven't had to really defend my place i I actually would have brought 1984 as my favorite year that i've read in marvel comics but secret wars is this like big black hole in the middle of it for me oh man if you could see dave's face right now all right yeah we'll have to save that for the show i do think like there's a lot of events in the 80s like late 80s they start rolling out like every annual issue of a series acts of acts has interesting moments but like stuff like evolutionary war or Atlantis attacks, uh, those are slogs. Those are like, like I'm glad when Marvel Unlimited's missing an issue because I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> I don't have to. I don't have to try to get through that. Well, um, with so uh, those tough with the Atlantis attacks, I think that was mostly confined to uh, the annuals. Correct? Yeah, it's yeah. like that. Yeah, it's that approach where they do each part of the story is an annual of a different title, which I actually think is a pretty interesting approach. Even though nowadays it would like force you to pick up, you know. 20 series that you weren't pulling otherwise. Yeah. But yeah, um, those it also makes it easy to skip if you don't aren't interested. Right. That's like, true. But you got to seek them all out too. Like if you're yeah, using them, yeah, yeah. it's not, you know, it's not convenient. Eddie. Um, but yeah, I don't, there's definitely like, I just, I don't know. I love Marvel comics. That's not coming across. And I, uh, it, there's no like one character certainly that I'm just like out on. I think, um, I've never been a huge ghost Rider guy. I guess, you know, he's, Eddie? he's had his lot. That's all yes. you know. Come on. <laughs> so I, I, those are, those are tougher for me. I have to say, like, there's not a ghost rider run where I'm like the, the 10 year old boy in me, like strongly disagrees. <laughs> I mean, the Nick Cage fan in me is even upset. Oh, I, I love Nicholas sure. Cage and as the ghost rider. And he's just like, Ur. in fact, I believe fire. this, uh, the day of this recording today, January 7th is, uh, Nicholas Cage's 55th birthday. I love that. You know that. Because I, because I happen to know that from my from my radio birthday a celebrity announcing or whatever, yeah, that's how I know. Who'd have thought? Ghost Rider was actually my uh, younger brother was really the only comic book title he followed. The first run, not the Marvel yeah. Spotlight featuring, but but that whole Johnny Blaze eighty one issue run or whatnot. I mean, you know why people like Ghost Rider, right? The fire. To quote what? Todd McFarlane, "Kids like change." <laughs> They love change. Oh, oh, is that it? <laughs> I just turned Todd McFarlane into Carol Channing just now. I don't know what you did. So maybe get get the microphone salivated. I'll see what I can do. Eddie? But this is definitely, if you kept going, where, where Peter breaks out into his Nicolas Cage impersonation. Spawn lots of Silver Age comic books, Silver Age stuff, like the Hulk and the Fantastic Four. Quite I'm the... just having a stroke halfway through this, so I'm just going to stop. Oh, no, stop. But, stop. Okay. Uh, what else? Eddie? I don't know. We got a pretty good uh, 
profile here on the Marvelous, this episode of the Marvelous, My Marvelous Year. And wish you guys lots of luck with uh, breaking them down and, and getting it out there. Guys? Yeah, thanks for having us on, guys. We, we really yeah, appreciate it. We're excited for people to check it out. Again, if you're, if you're a listener, go check out MyMarvelousYear.com. You'll find all the good stuff on Comic Book Herald. And, you know, we'll keep on listening to The Marvelous. Thanks for having us and talking about the show. And The yeah, Daily Bugle, I'm sure, too. Thank you'll you. find good stuff. Stop that. Yeah. What? It's not like a newspaper thing. What? One of my favorite <laughs> things about Comic Book Herald, by the way, and I am openly plugging you guys right now because I just have to. You guys have been so helpful with the Marvel Cosmic reading order. I'm a big Thanos fanboy. Hashtag Thanos did nothing wrong. And also, hashtag Star-Lord did nothing wrong. But, he, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I got to defend my boy. Um, but yeah. anyway, so, yeah, like just reading the whole Cosmic reading order and the way comic book herald simplified it with you know it it's better than the version that i've seen online it actually adds a lot more backstory for example like you on your list you include for example marvel universe the end every version i've seen doesn't include that and you wonder oh i'm gonna read the the 12 issue thanos series why is he being the way he is you need Mm -hmm. to read marvel universe the end to get a better grasp of that and thank you for you know pointing these things out Oh, it's super nice. No, I, I love hearing that. Thank you for for calling that out. And you know, I put a put a lot of time and thought and care into Comic Book Herald and those lists. So it's it's super rewarding. I think the number of people that come and say that they were able to get into comics, or a lot of times like came back to comics. I think you have a lot of readers now who are like, yeah, I fell off at a certain point. And I want to get back into it. And that's uh, that's what Comic Book Herald is there for to help people figure out like you know the order because chronology is is a mess <laughs> just by its its nature it's a beast and it's one of the things i love about comics but it's also you know it needs to be wrangled so what do you think about the chronology of the x-men x-men are you <laughs> it's know another, it's a whole other show isn't it <laughs> that was probably a rhetorical question yeah <laughs> literally <laughs> but uh no x-men are wild but i don't know i think even if you like even in my marvelous year like you can pick out the good stuff if you're not trying to read every x-men appearance um you can get a pretty good grasp on the team and like the, the essentials, I think in a, in imagine manageable chunk, as long as you're willing to accept time travel and, and all sorts of weird things and cable maybe being his own father, but we don't need to do that right now. <laughs> Wolf. See, I was going to say it'd probably be just as difficult trying to pick up all the cards that Gambit threw and didn't explode. Stop that. Put them in some kind of order. I, don't know. <laughs> I just thought of that. I thought it was kind of funny. I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was quite the new 52 pickup. Oh, no. If I can hear you make that joke, I'm making my joke. (laughs) You just crossed universes. (laughs) Anyway. So, guys, first off, big thank you for being on the show today. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having us. Uh, How can people get a hold of you guys on social media? Uh, We've got, uh, for the My Marvelous Year podcast, uh, at My Marvelous Year on Twitter, My Marvelous Year on Instagram, and uh, on, uh, well, off of Dave's website at comicbookherald.com. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at comicbookherald, uh, facebook.com slash comicbookherald. And then, um, yeah, definitely check out all the My Marvelous Year profiles because we are excited to get people checking out the show. So yeah. tell a friend. <laughs> yeah, please. All right, so before we conclude this episode, Eddie, we got to do our usual social media thingy. Go ahead. I'm glad you brought that up. (laughs) 
Go on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Marvelists. Give us a like ski on there. Go on the Twitter machine at The Marvelists. Give myself a follow at Peter Melnick. Eddie wants none of your Twitter nonsense. No following. There. Hashtag Jeremy Bagley thought of that. Also, go on Instagram at The Marvelists. I, sto- I stole that. I'm sorry. But Eddie, you can do another one at yours. What's yours? <gasps> Eddie, 9193. There we go. You can also follow myself at Peter Melnick. And drop a line in our email bag, themarvelists at gmail.com. Questions, comments, strongly worded letters, haikus, drawings, money, I don't know, but just send us stuff. Hangman. Okay. That too. Also, go on Facebook. Wow. Also, go on iTunes. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Five star if you're ever, ever, ever so inclined. And also, listen to us on a wide variety of listening platforms available for all iOS and Android devices, including Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. And once again, Stitcher.com slash premium. Use the promo code at checkout. Marvelous. And get a free one month of Stitcher Premium. And it's only $4.99 a month after that. And you can cancel at any time, but we think you should stay. They, They would like it, I think. Just a little bit longer. Capitalism, yeah. Anyway, also, once again, thank you to the boys from My Marvelous Year. We're all waving on the the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I can't see that. Thanks, guys. This is fun. Thank you. Yeah, that was a great conversation. Yeah. And for Peter Melnick, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Eddie Wilson, Excelsior.